You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. Welcome to Time to Revive. My name is Angie. I'm your host. And in the studio with me is Mr. Mark Bird with Revive Ohio. Hello. Hey there, Angie. We are continuing in the series called Invoking His Power. This is a really powerful series. Last week, we covered the power of identity. This week, we're talking the power of repentance, Mark. Yes, we are, Ange. And uh, I love this series because what it does is it really intrigues people to want to know more. When you hear about the word invoking, like, what is that? That's not an everyday vocabulary word for most people. But what does that mean? And then when you add his power to it, um, what are you talking about? So what is the power that we're invoking and what does that look like is really the question. Yeah, it really is. And of course, we're talking about God's power and who, what Christian, what follower of Christ wouldn't want to invoke his power. Correct. And so that's why this is an exciting topic today. So let's get right into the Word. We're going to start off today in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to start reading in verse 8. And this is Paul continuing in his second letter to the Corinthian church in context here. And listen to what he writes, starting in verse 8. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle or letter made you sorry, though only for a while. Verse 9, he says, Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. So can we break down what he's saying in, in Angie terms? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and so, so Paul is chastising the Corinthian church about some things that they're doing in their church, right? right? And he's saying, hey, hold on a second here. Let me give you some instruction in righteousness, in godliness. And he's saying, okay, I wrote this letter and I corrected you and you were sorry about it. He said, but I, would, I don't really want you to just be sorry I want there to be produced within you a godly sorrow, which leads to repentance. So what he's saying is there's something that follows it being godly sorry. So it wasn't about just being sorry. It's about do something. So we're, exactly. we're always sorry about something we've done, but how do we change our correct, how do we correct our actions moving forward is what you're saying. Absolutely. Okay. And, and so what Paul is saying here to highlight the repentance part is he's saying what I'm really after is for you to repent. Okay, so we right. need to say that means turn away from what you are doing. Yes. Paul's saying, okay, I corrected you in this and you were sorry about it, but now I want to see you turn and walk away from that and start living, like you said, Angie, or I love it. walking yeah. into it. Okay. And he said, for you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Mm. So it's one thing, and this is what Paul's pointing out here, it's one thing to be sorry for something. I don't know if you've ever corrected a child and they go, I'm sorry, and then... They do it again. Exactly. They turn around and do it right again because they aren't really sorry, right? And yeah. so this uh, sorrow, godly sorrow that leads to repentance, and that is the turning away from what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And so Paul said, I'd rather see the fruit of this, right? The fruit of you turning away from it, which tells that you've repented from it. So repentance means like, 
heading one direction and doing a U-turn and actually going the other direction. He's saying, that's what I'd like to see you walking into. And that is true fruit of repentance. Now, that leads me into the next scripture we want to look at. And this is in Matthew chapter 3. And this is John the Baptist, who everybody would probably agree was a godly man. And so John the Baptist talked about this as well. And so starting in verse 7, it was written, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, this is John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is witnessing the religious people coming out to his baptism. It says, he said to them, you brood of vipers who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And here we go in verse 8, Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think or say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So this is John the Baptist saying, listen, you can come out and get baptized, but unless you bear fruits or unless your life says, I have repented from my sins. So basically what he's saying here is, listen, it's this serious. It's so serious that if you don't bear fruits worthy of repentance, you're going to be cut down like a tree and you're going to be thrown into the fire. And so he's telling the religious people of his day, the most religious people are the ones that came out to observe and check out and probably judge yeah, John's absolutely. baptism, right? Yeah. Let's be honest. That's probably what they were coming to do. They were coming to judge. And so what John is basically saying, and I'm paraphrasing this totally, but check your heart. Mm. Are you bearing fruits worthy of repentance is what he's saying. Mm. So my question now is this, Angie, what we have to say is, is repentance something we did or could it be something that we do? I would say it's something that we do because we make choices right. every day. So we have to repent of those choices. It's like I was telling this the other day. When we had the sin nature, Jesus took our sin nature away. Right. But every day we make choices. Those choices are not going to send us to hell or not. Right. But we do need to repent from them because they're not helping us to be more like Jesus. Right. And so I'll liken it to this, Angie. If you're in a marriage, probably daily we do things that disappoint our spouse that we become sorry about. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that our marriage covenant is over, right. but we know when we do things that displeases our spouse. Yes. And what we try to do in a godly sorrow way, a repentant way, is try not to do that again. And fix it. Yeah. Right. You have to make this, you have to course correct is what they yes, say. Yes, that's great. And so for me, repentance is something that we do because we all make choices every single day and sometimes they're not the right choice. And we find ourselves making a choice that we know is not going to be pleasing to the Father. Mm. So do we need to repent again to get saved? No. No. It's not about erasing the sin nature. It's not about getting saved. 
Exactly. It's about, it, it's about changing our yes. minds, right? It's back to the course correction. Sometimes your wheels get off the track just a little bit and you have to course correct to get back on the tracks. You're still going towards Jesus. You're just getting off into the dirt and the rocks a little bit more. I like that. And I think Jesus is the head of our course that we're headed to, right? And when we do get off course, I think repentance just gets us back on course. Yeah. Amen. Right. I agree. So one more scripture I want to just read together. And this is Jesus's heart. This is Matthew chapter nine. And these are red letters. So this comes from the mouth of Jesus. And this really is his heart about repentance, I think. And this is what it says in verse 12. But when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. Right? Yeah. So when we get off, when we miss the mark, that's what sin is, mm. missing the mark. Mm -hmm. So when we miss the mark, he's calling us to repentance. Yeah. Amen. And how is this invoking the power of repentance. What does this do for us? Just, it's basically what you were saying. Yeah. When we acknowledge the sin, we repent of it. Yeah. Then we draw closer to God. And there, in that, we start having that power. I totally agree. And so I think part of it is this, Angie, it's the guilt conscience. Mm. So, so when we have done something that we know doesn't please the Father and we don't repent from it, we allow the guilt to separate us from that yes. good relationship with yes. God. So invoking his power is coming clean, right? Because it's not that God won't use us, but we feel like he won't yeah. because of something that we did. So we actually stop his power from moving in our lives because, well, he's mad at me. And so if you want to invoke his power, come clean. First John 1, 9. Exactly right. <laughs> you see, it comes together. And this, Angie. So here's the difference. Proud people, people filled with pride do not repent, right? Yeah. And so God said, I resist the proud, mm. right? But I'll exalt the humble. And yeah. so that's the difference. You want to invoke his power, you be humble before him, repent, come clean, you know, create in me a clean heart, David prayed. Yeah, exactly. Right? And renew a right spirit within me. Yeah. And so that's the picture of invoking his power. You know, I'm going to give you a different word picture because this is what it looks like in my brain. I feel like in my life, I want to cling to Jesus' leg. Mm. You know, when I was a little kid, I used to cling to my big brother's leg and he would walk around and I'd be holding on to his leg. So this is the picture I get. That's good. So I cling to Jesus' leg. But if there's something that's in the way, I'm not going to be able to hold on to him tightly. It's going to be blocking my grip. Wow. And I feel like sometimes when there's unrepentant sin, like if there's things that I just am ignoring as opposed to repenting from it, right. that keeps me from holding on to my Lord. Right. I think about the woman with the issue of blood. And how did she invoke his power? She touched him. She, she went said, after Man, him. Man, if I could only yeah. get to him, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? And so when we, I really believe that that guilt thing, Satan plays on that in such a big time. And then yes. we just stop that pursuit that says, yep. I just got to touch it. Keep pursuing. Doesn't yeah. matter what kind of sin you have in your life. It's not going to stay once you pursue him, right? Amen. That was a good message. Now, let's go ahead and move into our time of testimony. 
We had such an awesome conversation last week with Pastor Steve Harmon. Pastor Steve and I were introduced first in Dark County when Revive was first invited to Ohio. And Pastor Steve and I were pastoring in the same county, and we were strangers. We didn't know each other until we met through Revive, and now we're walking together in Revive Ohio. Steve is a guy that is with me in every city that we go to, a part of the team. And Steve, welcome back to the show this week. Well, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Yeah, we had such an interesting conversation last week about identity, and this week we're moving into a topic that we've talked about a lot, that sometimes the church talks about these things, sometimes they don't, and of course our mission partly is to equip the church to do the work of the ministry, to share the gospel, make disciples, but specifically this week, Steve, we're going to talk about repentance What does it mean, and what does it mean to non-believers, but also, does it mean anything to believers, Steve? Well, I certainly hope it does, but it's one of those words, it's a church word, and it's probably one of those words that we really don't like to hear or like to talk about, because it always is, repentance requires something of us, and we aren't always willing to give. Steve, you know, one of the things that I have noticed, and maybe you can confirm this, People don't understand that having a sinful nature and having that sinful nature be what has been restored from Christ. We we have that sinful nature has gone away and now we are restored to righteousness through Christ. And people think that when we repent, that we're doing that whole process over again. And they don't understand that repentance is really about those things that we keep doing that aren't necessarily what God wants us to do. It's not about salvation. It's something that Mark and I were just talking about in the lesson. Yeah, repentance is a tricky thing because it it does involve our salvation. We have to repent to be saved, but it's much more than that. It has to become really a lifestyle for us. If we look at the word repentance from the Greek, it's metanoia, and it literally means a change of mind. And so we have to have a change of mind, which kind of goes back to what we talked about last week with identity. A change of mind, and I like to add to that, a change of mind that leads to a change of heart. And so in our lives, there are a lot of things that we have to change our mind about. When we talk about confession or confessing, it means to say the same thing. So literally, confession means to say the same thing about our sin as God says about it. That takes a change of mind. That takes repentance. And again, Andy, like you said, it's not just for salvation. It's all those things in our lives where we do not have a godly mindset, where we're thinking about things differently uh, than God thinks about them. Yeah, Stephen, one of the things that we kind of unpacked uh, earlier was the fact that repentance is not something that we did, like, well, I I repented back in 1962, right? And I've sat in the church pew ever since. But repentance is something we do, Right. And so it's like it's an ongoing thing. It's about it's about a restoration of relationship with God, because what happens is guilt and shame cause us to stop reaching out to God. So can I ask you guys to just kind of address for a moment the difference between condemnation and conviction? Conviction. Thank you. The difference between condemnation and conviction I'll just touch that real simply, that that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, as the Scripture says, but He does convict. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict us of things that we've done wrong, but He never condemns us. That's the devil that condemns us. And uh, when 
we feel that we need to recognize the source. And when we begin to recognize the source of, as it being condemnation, it's of the enemy, then we can begin to rise above it and say, no, God doesn't do that. God doesn't treat us that way. That's not the loving God that we serve. He will convict us, yes. He will show us the error of our ways, but he does not condemn us. Yeah, Pastor Stephen, so thinking about our identity in Christ and repentance and, and how both of those right are in the vein of invoking his power, because as we're diving into this, we're really talking about how do we invoke the power of God? And so how does repentance invoke the power of God? That's a tough one because we can't necessarily point it out. But as we go through Scripture, we begin to see that the Scriptures talk about the power of God that's, that's there and that's available. And so as we repent of our ways and begin to walk in His way, that, that releases us, yes. that releases the freedom in us to uh, walk as He would have us to walk. Otherwise, we're in bondage to that sin. We're in bondage to the enemy who's holding us down. There's no freedom in that place. And if there's no freedom, there can be no power. And so we have to allow... Uh, we have to repent to set us free of those things that are holding us, the enemy, how he's holding us. He's strangling us, I would say. He's holding us in bondage and strangling us from walking out in authority what God has given us. Yeah, and of course, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about being a slave to sin, right, and uh, awaking to righteousness. So I think it's uh, about renewing our mind, Steve, and awakening our consciences from dead works and being awakened to righteousness. And you mentioned how the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us. And of course, in John 16, he says he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He doesn't condemn us, but he does convict us. And the second one is righteousness. So when we're convicted of righteousness, that's God's righteousness. So he's teaching us. He's able to teach us what is right. What is being in right standing with God? And so I believe the Holy Spirit works with us in that and helps to free our minds of being a slave to sin mentality. Okay. It just so happens that I was reading in Hebrews chapter 12, and it's talking about discipline. And I grew up in a family where if you did something wrong, there were consequences. And I grew up thinking that God was always going to give me consequences for all of my actions. When I was good, God loved me. When I was bad, God did not love me. That's how I grew up. And obviously, I know the truth now. But in Hebrews 12, it talks about not shirking away from discipline. And I think that sometimes we do almost like Adam and Eve did. We hide as soon as we do something wrong instead of repenting first. And we quickly mentioned in the teaching, 1 John 1, 9, that if you ask him for forgiveness. He is faithful to give it to you. And I think that when we hide, we're believing the lie that we're not going to get repentance or get forgiveness once again from God. And so I think that there's a lot of value in knowing that even when hard times are coming or even consequences for our actions, there's a way to grow in them. What do you think, Steve? Well, my simple answer to that would be discipline versus punishment. Uh, They're two different things. Uh, I don't revel in punishing my children when they were young, but they do need discipline. And I think it's the exact same thing with us. God looks at us and there are areas where we need to have discipline, but that's not punishment 
we throw that all into one category and think of it all as the same thing, and it's not at all the same. I look back over my life, and I'm thankful for the times that my parents disciplined me. And I look over my life as a believer, and I'm also thankful for the times that God disciplined me. Yeah, amen. Um, That's fantastic. What, that was just eye-opening for myself as well. And you know, it's interesting because uh, the Scripture teaches us that God chastens or disciplines those who He loves. So it is actually an act of love. But again, of course, <laughs> when you're getting corrected, it doesn't always feel like that. Yeah. But I have to remind myself when the Lord disciplines me, when He corrects me, when the Holy Spirit convicts me, then I have to say, mm, that's because you're showing me that you actually love me. Yeah, I love the whole thing about the diamond having to be tumbled and yeah. scrubbed and all of that. And honestly, if you just think of yourself as a parent, it's a lot easier to understand the love of God. So as we wrap up this uh, discussion with Pastor Steve today, Pastor Steve, I'm just thinking about this whole invoking God's power. And so I'm also reminded, like the Apostle Paul writes about, like he's saying, man, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I know I should do. So he's in this kind of struggle, too, that we all go through. And I'm thinking about his kind of summary of that, and that is his strength is made perfect in my weakness. And so when I'm thinking about that and, and in terms of invoking power, it's not like the cartoons where you're invoking, you know, Wonder Woman's powers or something. Invoking God's power is acknowledging our weakness to Him and inviting His strength to be in charge of our lives. To me, that speaks to invoking His power. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. We get caught up in, in us, in all things in life. And again, if we can put us down and begin to seek after Him, whether that means repentance or understanding our identity or a myriad of other things, then again, as I said earlier, we can walk in the freedom of who He created us to be. I heard a really good teaching on this recently. And he said, once you become a Christian and the sin nature has been buried with Christ and you raise as a new creation, now it's all Satan trying to get in from the outside. The inside's been cleaned up, but now it's constantly Amen. a war for the outside. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's good. I love that. And so the interesting piece of that is just that, like we talked about, the attack on our identity. That's exactly what Satan comes after. And of course, yeah, the war is in our minds and the war is in our flesh. Yep. And, and that's the battleground. But again, I think it still lends to that Paul described and acknowledged that even though I'm weak, his strength Amen. is strong. Right? And thank and, God for it. <laughs> Amen. That's for sure. Steve, it's been fantastic to have you back on the show. You've just... Yeah, you have no idea what Mark and I are doing here in the studio. Every time you open your mouth, we're like, yes, amen. This is so good. We're so grateful for your wisdom and for your, uh, yeah, the mini preaching. I think it's fantastic. Amen. Thanks for joining us again, Pastor Steve. Oh, thanks for having me. This is Mark Bird, and you've been listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at ShineFMOhio.com. We're community-supported Shine FM.